you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. LAS Studios. This is How to LA, the podcast that helps you connect with the city and its history. Today, we're taking you back to the not-so-distant past, three decades ago, 1993, at Cal State Northridge. So I was going to film school at Cal State Northridge, and um, during film school, I directed a music video for this band, No Effects. That's Louis Posen, the founder of the local independent alternative rock label, Hopeless Records, talking with producer Monica Bushman. And then the opening artist for uh, the show that we filmed, Guttermouth, uh, asked me to put out a record for them. And I said, why would I put out a record? I know how to do music videos, not records. They said, oh, well, you seem organized, and we don't know anyone else that can do it. So I went and bought a book called How to Run an Independent Record Label. I put that first seven inch out and the first song was called Hopeless and that was why the the name of the label. Since that start with the Orange County band Guttermouth back in 1993, the Van Nuys-based Hopeless Records grew and continued to thrive, representing punk, pop-punk, ska, and alternative rock bands. Some of the best known being Avenged Sevenfold, All Time Low, Taking Back Sunday, Yellow Card, and Newfound Glory. They found their niche, but also continued to adapt and appeal to young people of different generations. I think we are defined more by an audience than a genre. You know, we're really about young, alternative, inquisitive. Music is is their identity. Music is their passion. Community is important. Uh, questioning things. So I'd say it's more about an audience than about a particular genre. I mean, we started in punk, but punk is a also a genre that embodies a lot of those values. This is like such a broad question, but I'm wondering what have been the biggest challenges over over the years as far as just like keeping going. So uh, everything is an opportunity and a challenge. That's the way that I look at life. It's sort of been my life with, uh, I started losing my eyesight when I was 19 years old. And uh, so everything is about, about adapting. It's about, you know, uh, problem solving and facing things and not um, crawling up in a hole. Last Friday night, the label was celebrating its 30th anniversary at the Valley Relics Museum, located within a couple of airplane hangars at the Van Nuys Airport, not far from the Hopeless Records headquarters. Former and current employees, musicians, and their families and friends were there to get a first look at an exhibit of memorabilia from the company's three decades-long history. 
Among the pop culture museum's usual features, like neon signs and vintage arcade games, were black trunks called road cases filled with artifacts. They included set lists for rock bands like Taking Back Sunday, drumsticks broken by drummer Paul Kohler from the Canadian band Silverstein, and even a letter from the late Senator Dianne Feinstein praising the label for giving more than a million dollars to charity through its nonprofit arm. They've since donated $2 million more. I got uh, an invitation through one of like, my online publications, which I photograph and write for. Loyola Marymount student Carissa was there as a fan of the label and also for journalism purposes. And I thought this was like a really sick opportunity to just like see what's going on here and like to interact with the people behind Hopeless Records because this label has had so many bands that I just like kind of like grew up on like all time low I grew up liking. I used to listen to Waterparks a lot <laughs> um, and then I like currently like the Wonder Years, Neck Deep, Stan Atlantic, Trophy Eyes, like they have a really solid lineup currently and they've had a really, really sick history, so. Outside was an in-and-out truck and a taco stand and a slightly more quiet space to talk. I started as an intern here and uh, basically worked in every department. Erin Choi is a longtime Hopeless employee. How would you describe the label and sort of the artist's that you all represent to someone who's not familiar? Yeah, we're really, we don't really think about actual genres of music here. It's more about the fan. And so we're really looking for someone who, uh, we're really servicing like the young Gen Z youth who are just growing up trying to figure out who they are in the world and they want to just relate to people. And so we're trying to build a diverse roster. Our roster right now is uh, 50%, over 50% female or non-binary, which is pretty awesome for like the rock scene because when I was growing up, it wasn't like that at all. And so we're always trying to build the scene that we want to see and uh, not just looking back at the past and like what it, what it was. And so that's been really important to us in our growth. So you say you're going away to LA who you think you are. I hear fake tales from the place she almost made it. He almost made it, but then they got complacent. Commercial makers. Singer and rapper Dwayne is one of the artists that Hopeless counts among its alumni. And so you're a former? I used to be here and they saved my life, yes. How so? Yes. Um, and just giving me an opportunity to release music. Was was all was all I needed, honestly. Yeah, so it's good. But yeah, no, I love Hopeless with all my heart. It's really, it's a great place. Do you remember when you first heard of Hopeless Records? Um, I first heard of Hopeless Records from my friend uh, Austin, who used to be on Hopeless Records with Water Parks, and they took me on tour. And Hopeless was there at the venue, and somewhere I think in LA, and they saw me there, and and then it was on since then, yeah, in 2020, like it, right before the pandemic. Oh wow! So yeah, a, a dangerous and scary, but also really inspiring time. And was this your first time being signed to a label? Oh, it's my first time being signed to a label. Uh, just coming from Houston, and I was scared of LA and scared of everything, but they gave me an opportunity. And I think that's the best thing about Hopeless, because they see people when they're like young and understand the talent is there, uh, and then they just give you an avenue to create and make beautiful things. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That was artist Dwayne. I don't want to drive too far. Coming up after the break, more with Hopeless Records founder, Louis Posen. I 
say I don't wanna drop too fast Cause I feel I might crash this fear I don't wanna do that stuff I never heard of a thing called fear That's why I'm at your door Looking this way Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm Pindarvis Harshaw, host of the Right Nowish podcast. Every week, I talk to the people who are creating art and culture and spreading it to the universe. As an artist, you always meet yourself. Every year, you're a different person. Essentially, we normalize a space where you can show up as your authentic self. Check out Right Nowish. Rooted in California's Bay Area, speaking to you. It's so many people of color, so many queer people. It's like I'm being celebrated in my fullness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, and we are back for another round. This is clearly an NPR audience. (laughs) I think they're so smart. What the hell? My guests this time are actor Vela Lavelle and author Amanda Montel, whose new book, The Age of Magical Overthinking, is out now. Join us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum for book talk, trivia, and hot takes. Tickets can be found at laist.com slash events. And we're back. I'm better by After the anniversary event, I wanted to chat a little bit more with Hopeless Records founder Louis Pozo. I remembered having interviewed him back in my college days when I was a baby journalist, and I was excited to chat with him again. Congratulations on being a professional journalist. That's uh, very <laughs> difficult to do, so that's a huge accomplishment. I appreciate that, and, and thank you for joining me today on, on this call. Of course. He started off by describing the range of artists that Hopeless has represented over the years and what makes them stand out. Each artist has different strengths and challenges, just like people do. I mean, part of our community is the what started as punk and pop punk and has really expanded into really anything alternative for young people who music is part of their identity, it's part of their community. Um, we've worked with amazing artists over the years, you know, the early years, uh, artists like 88 Fingers Louie, Mustard Plug, Dillinger 4. Mid years, you know, Avenged Sevenfold and Thrice and All Time Love. Some legacy, you know, iconic artists like Taking Back Sunday, Sum 41, Newfound Glory, Bayside. And then, in, you know, now the, the scene is, has shifted and it's it's more diverse and interesting. Um, we have artists like Scene Queen and TX2 and Lolo. And we just keep on Some are, you know, super talented singers, some are great songwriters, some are great performers, some are great online, some are great at their live shows. But the thing they all have is they're part of this community, this sort of alternative rock community, and they're all um, connect with fans in a unique way that makes those fans not just want to stream them, but be a part of their world to buy their vinyl, to hang out with them after the show, to follow them online. I want to ask you, you've weathered so many changes in the music industry in the last 30 years. The shift from physical media to digital and streaming, 
changes in music's taste, the pandemic, looking back, what are some of your biggest hurdles for you? I always believe our biggest hurdle is ourself and our own weaknesses. You know, the the world's always changing. People outside of our control are always changing. Like you said, the industry and technology's changed. So we need to be able to adapt to whatever the world is throwing at us. Um, and I, that's something as part of my you know, leadership of the team over the years, I've always expressed that we constantly need to be reviewing ourselves and stepping back and looking at the big picture and adapting. And what would you say that's kept you and hopeless, for lack of a better term, hopeful going through all the ups and downs? Maybe starting by calling ourselves hopeless. The, the, the bar is pretty <laughs> bar is pretty low. So I didn't realize at the beginning that that would be a name that would allow us to um, exceed expectations pretty easily. Uh, but I think it comes from well, being a part of this great community where we love what we do. Uh, people don't get into this style of music uh, to make money. You know, they, they get into it because they're passionate about it. It, it. It's who their friends are. It's what clubs they go to. It's what uh, things they read. Uh, so it's, I think, the passion for it and the love of it and that it doesn't feel like work. And in some ways, we're changing the world in our own little way. And musically, we're affecting people. You hear about it all the time where fans say, oh, this artist changed my life or saved my life. Um and then we we have a, a nonprofit organization which we feel is almost a, an obligation or responsibility as part of this community to do something positive with our resources and with the artists' voices. So we try to raise money and spread awareness about important causes. I want to ask you, what's your take on the idea that comes up, you know, from time to time that rock music is dead or at least as not popular as it once was before and maybe not at its height um what do you say to that yeah, so different genres and different styles sort of rise up and and fall down as far as mainstream music goes what we do is under the mainstream most of the time and so it's there all the time it's just something that people don't recognize uh, because it's not in arenas and it's not, you know, on, on the forefront of, of the other things that mainstream people are looking at. So it's it's always there and it's always been strong. There are periods in which it gets, it does get mainstream, you know, the 2000s with, you know, the Fallout Boys and the Paramours, the 90s with Green Day and the Offspring. So it does like poke its head into mainstream worlds every probably eight, 10 years but it's always there. I don't know. I saw Green Day's playing SoFi. So I don't know that rock is really dead. And our artists are getting bigger and playing bigger and bigger venues and streaming more and more streams and selling more and more vinyl. So I think that's more of a mainstream perception. Yeah, because you brought up Paramore. I, I feel like I saw Paramore all over TikTok this year uh, with their tour and their new record. We're talking about the future and the success of things, but I also want you to go back into your nostalgia. What are some of your favorite pieces of memorabilia from the exhibition that's up now at the Valley Relics Museum celebrating your 30th anniversary? 
It was crazy to put together this exhibit. We weren't great at, at keeping a lot of artifacts. So this did take a lot of work to go through my garage, go through our office, contact artists. What do you have? But the things that most connect to me on a nostalgic level are the two cases that are the early years because it was me and one other person and two other people. You know, it was really a mom and pop business. My mom was helping me full gutter mouth seven inch jackets at the beginning. So it was really a boutique family affair. Um, and there's a lot of cool stuff from that era in there. Uh, and then one of my favorites is the second release that we put out was a cover of the whole West Side Story soundtrack called Punk Side Story. When you're a jack, you're a swing and a sting, little boy, you're a man, little man, you're a king. The pets are in gear, a cylinders are clicking. Back then, I don't think we thought about licensing, copyright and things like that. Um, we actually got a letter from uh, Leonard Bernstein's daughter, um, you know, Leonard Bernstein wrote the West Side Story uh, music. And we got a letter from his daughter saying, this is an amazing tribute to my father's work and we're not going to sue you. It's it's a classic letter on uh, on her letterhead. Oh, wow. And the fact that it's traveling and going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the new punk rock museum in Las Vegas. How do you feel about that? That's a That's a huge moment. It's super exciting. It might hit a couple other stops on the way. Those are the confirmed stops. Uh, I can't believe the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame agreed to do it. When we <laughs> when we talked to them, I thought they're just going to say no. They don't even know who Hopeless Records is. And they were super excited. And they're like, we want to have a permanent exhibit after you know the temporary exhibit leaves. So we're extremely excited about that. It'll be in July. The... Punk Rock Museum, which I visited, got a personal tour from the founder and owner, Fat Mike from NoFX. We're excited that that'll be sort of our final stop and we'll leave it there for a while. You know, Louis, something I have to like mention here is you being a lifelong Angelino. I don't know many people who are have been here since they were born or or since they were like very, very young, but you're this lifelong Angelino who's had his roots here, stayed here, created a business. And, you know, as, as I learn more about Los Angeles, I'm also a lifelong Angelino, but as I learn more about Los Angeles, there are like punk scenes in Hollywood and downtown LA and East LA. And it just feels like these like grassroots, like bands that ended up making it, you know, to punk shows, whether at the smell or other places, they, it, it just feels different. And, and I feel like their journeys are, are a bit different. How do you feel about the alternative rock scene in Los Angeles? I, I feel like that is so unique to our region. It is. And I've, always thought there should be actually a museum dedicated to LA music. It's it's such a hub of new genres and so many different things, incredible venues. So I hope that happens one day. We'd love to be a part of it. I actually looked into being part of some kind of group that would do this and maybe buy one of the old venues, the mask or the Palomino or input it, put the museum in there. there there's just so many incredible music, you know, history here from like the Laurel Canyon scene to, you know, all different genres. There's a big country scene here for a long time. But as far as the punk world goes, I mean, 
it's hard to say that LA isn't as important as maybe a London. If you lived in London or New York, you probably feel differently, but they were all kind of going on around the same time. And there's just so much history with, you know, our artists like the germs and X. And I mean, the, these are artists that got me started, you know, doing this X was the first punk show I ever went to when I was 12 years old at the Reseda country club. And that was a life changer. I mean, I had gone to other concerts before at, big venues like the police at the, you know Hollywood Park or something but to be at the Reseda Country Club and see people stage diving and slam dancing and you know getting into the music in a way which was totally different than anything I had experienced before was a life changer. Well, I appreciate you talking to me today and thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. That was Lewis Posen, founder of the record label Hopeless Records. The Hopeless Records exhibit at the Valley Relics Museum is now open and will be up until January 7th. This episode was produced by Monica Bushman. Our Hot to LA team also includes Erica Washington, Evan Jacoby, Mangy Botel, and Victoria Alejandro. Our intern is Tony Morales. Our executive producer is Megan Larson, and our engineer is Hasmik Pagosian. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.